Have you ever felt like you don't belong? Like you're not really supposed to be here? Like once someone notices, you'll get your dance card revoked. One, you totally do belong here. Two, you're totally enough. And three, today's guest has some advice about that. Sahira has been working over the past several months beta testing and creating her new course, designing your ideal online classroom, and now it's finished. For me, the best part of this course is that yes, it covers the tech stuff, but it's so much more than that because good tech is only part of the key to a good online class. And as someone who loves online classes, I know you know that. This course is broken up into seven different modules, and today we're gonna to chat about one that's applicable to you, no matter whether you wanna teach online, if you're a teacher at all, or if you're just a student. Imposter syndrome, it strikes all of us. So let's go ahead and get into the groove and figure out how to beat those gremlins back with Sahira. Welcome to Yala Rocks, the belly dance podcast that helps you design your personal practice. Sahira is back with us today. Third time's the charm. Welcome, Sahira. So happy to have you back. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me to join you again. Well, you know, we have to we have to promote and support our contributors whenever you guys have something new coming out and you have something new coming out. So <laughs> here you are to share with us a little bit more. So you are putting out a class that is going to teach people how to find a kind of from A to Z, like putting their classes online. So of course I have to start with the question of how did you get started teaching online? Cause you've been, you've been online for a really long time. It's like nine years now, right? Yeah. I've been online since before it was fashionable for belly dancers to be online, I think. <laughs> <laughs> and that has been so incredibly useful, especially in these last eight months. I was like, oh, look, I'm perfectly positioned now that, you know, the world has come to an end. So, so I've been very glad that I embarked on this journey so long ago because I already have my systems pretty well ironed out. I got pretty lucky, honestly, getting online was something that had always been in the back of my head as a way to reach new students. I had been traveling to teach, you know, internationally at times and was always a little sad that like, once I left the workshop, I may never see these people again. And these mm -hmm. dancers would never have the opportunity to study with me. So it was always in the back of my head, gosh, if I could put classes online, then I could continue to connect with people even once the workshop had ended. And it was actually a student of mine. I am eternally grateful to my dear friend, Elaine, who came to me one time not about nine years ago and showed me that Sadie had gotten onto powwow. And she was one of the first belly dancers on Pow How. And then my friend Elaine saw it and she said, oh my gosh, look at this. It's like an online platform and you can put belly dance classes there. And I said, I'm in. And I, and I never looked back and I taught on Pow How, which at the time was mostly for live classes. So you would schedule classes, people would come and you would give the classes live shortly thereafter because I jumped on right at the beginning. They started to offer recordings as part of the package. And so you could just instantly hit record and then you could have that recording available after class to offer to your students as an additional bonus or to sell in a package of recorded content like a library online. So of course I did it. I was like, if I'm here teaching, I might as well record. And in the end, that's what sold better than anything else, right? When you're doing it live, you're dealing with people's time zones and schedules, but when it's recorded content, people can take it whenever they want. And so that ended up being the best seller. So I stuck with that until they like shut down just a couple in of years ago. In the middle of a bundle. In the middle of a bundle. It was literally one month before the bundle release. This was my, it was my first year with the I bundle I think it was, too. yeah. Yeah, and I was just like, 
and they didn't even tell me like one of my students they didn't tell anybody no one of my students was like where are you going to go now that powhow is shutting down and I was totally floored and they gave us one month to like download all of our stuff and hit the road and so I called you I remember because I just met you through the bundle I was like help me and you said (laughs) teachable I signed up that day and I have never looked back is the best decision that I've ever randomly gotten to make with your help and that's been that's been amazing and so I've been on teachable now for you know nigh on three years and that is an all recorded platform uh and I I love it I love it. So it's been it's been a really wonderful experience. And so I come to realize back in March when all of a sudden the whole world needs to go online, not by choice but by force, that I already know how. Mm-hmm. And so I jumped online and gave a webinar like the week everything shut down here in Houston basically, you know, free to dancers everywhere looking to put their classes online. I was like, here's how I do it and you can do it the same way and you can get online you know, right away, you can be online this week with very little needed, you know, expense or equipment. And then basically that idea just kind of ballooned and grew. And I thought, gosh, you know, I know everything from setting up my studio to recording my content, to editing my content, to, you know, putting things into a library, to engaging my students, to, you know, finding the confidence to, to get online. All of this stuff is stuff I've dealt with over the last nine years. Why not share that with the world when that is exactly what everyone is trying to do right now? Absolutely. And I, I love when you were saying when you got started, right, that you were traveling to all these workshops, you were teaching sometimes internationally, sometimes just around the States. And you were just so sad that you weren't going to see these students again. And you wanted a way to connect with them because that's what I always wish. Like whenever I, like from my marketing perspective, look at the dance world, I'm like, why wasn't everybody doing this? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Because you you build a bit of a following. You make connections with dancers. I established rapport with these people. We had fun. I mean, some of these places I would visit for a week at a time and, you know, dance with these dancers several days in a row. We'd go out to dinner. We'd get to know each other and we'd become friends, you know, and we could connect on you know Facebook and keep in touch with each other, but they couldn't take classes with me no matter what. You know, I had my few DVDs that I would like sell, right? When I was there, mm-hmm. they had the DVDs that they could play and that was it. And so it was always, it was always a little frustrating because obviously the international travel is tough for people. There's only so many times I would go back to the same country to teach. And this, this is amazing. Like this has been a huge silver lining in the dark COVID cloud for me the last eight months is that the whole world has opened up and now we can connect and dance with anyone we want to pretty much at any time, which is pretty darn magical. It, it really is. Like, I love the, the, I've said it before and I'm, I will say it till the end of time, but the mass acceptance of belly dance online that we've seen with the pandemic and everything that's going on to me is the best silver lining that our community could have asked for. And I know it's, it's hit a lot of us really hard, especially those of us who have studios, um, you know, so it's not, it's not all roses, but there is definitely a part of this that is, I think, going to be amazingly useful to dancers and students in our community long-term. I totally agree. I totally agree. This is something that I've been saying to people who are, are learning from me and I'm working with to help them set up their studios. You know, a lot of people held out for a while because they said, you know, this is going to be a few months. You know, I'm not willing to like figure it all out and start an online library. Like Mm -hmm. once we get back in studio, you know, I'm not interested in doing it anymore. But I really feel like 
this revolution that's happened, this mass acceptance is not going to go away the minute no. social distancing requirements are lifted. Like people are still going to want to learn. I think lots of people are going to come back to the studio. I have a Absolutely. lot of students who really miss that. And in, in my mind, it's still the gold standard of learning a movement form, right? Dance or exercise or anything. Having someone there with you to watch you do it, I think is huge. But online learning is here to stay. And so I say, why not get yourself set up well from the beginning, you know, and just and just get in there, dive in, know that it doesn't have to be perfect. And then just kind of build from there because this is something we're in for the long haul. We're going to be doing this for a while. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you that when we can go back, like for real, not this like, can we go back? We can go back this week, but not next week. And maybe how's my town doing right now, right? Like mm -hmm. it's a mess. But when we can go back for real, I think there's actually going to be a huge surge in in-person participation. I think in-person workshops are going to go totally bananas. And I think in-person classes are going to be full in ways that they haven't been in a really long time. Um, but then once that initial like furor dies down, it was, we're going to see this new balance come in where it's going to be people coming, going to the in-person workshops, going to classes, but then supplementing that practice with online stuff with people all over the world now that they realize that it's a possibility. Yeah, that's kind of magical. I honestly hadn't thought about like what it's going to be like when we go back into the studio. I think about all my students that I'll get to see again, but mm -hmm. I haven't thought about like all of the, the sort of hungry, starved dancers that are oh, going yeah. to come out in mass or people who've been wanting to dance and hadn't tried it yet. And now they can't, but now they can. And it's going to be so, oh, it's going to be so good. I dream, I dream about it. I know, right? So <laughs> Let's dive into one of the modules that you have in your course. So it's built into segments and each segment covers a different part of taking your class online. One of the segments that I kind of want to jump into because it's more, it's relevant to more than just teachers and more than just people going online. Um, you're calling it get into the groove. So can you tell people a little bit about this particular segment of your course? Yeah, so this segment is designed to help teachers, especially, uh, but this can definitely apply to students as well, dancers at all different levels, sort of find the energy and the confidence that they need to get online, to offer their talent to the world. Because this is the number one objection that I get when mm -hmm. people approach me with class questions and wanting to get online. Everyone wants to know, why would anybody study with me? Nobody's going to study with me. Nobody knows who I am. I'm not a big name. And now that all the big names in the world are online, why would anyone take my class? You know, and I get it. I, I've been there too. And there's days I still wonder the same thing. But yet, you know, I've learned that there are students for every single one of us. I, I firmly believe that. And I've witnessed it over and over because everyone has a different talent, a different gift to offer to the world, the way they teach, the style they teach, what they teach, how they look, who they appeal to, their personality. Everyone who's taken a belly dance class knows that once you find a teacher that has the level of knowledge that you're looking for, a lot of what keeps you in class and helps you decide who to study with if you have multiple instructors in your city to decide from, or if you're going online and looking for someone, is personality, mm -hmm. right? You have to jive with that person. And so that's why I think there's room for everyone in this game. And you have a personality. Every instructor has a personality that's going to draw a different student in. And so this is the module that I, I created I think it's second, you know, it was like, cause I feel like this is super important. Like, yes, we need to talk about the technicalities of getting online, but like, I need you to understand that it's important for you to do it and yes. why you are valid and why you are worthy and why you are good enough 
to, to do this. And so the course takes you through not only kind of identifying, you know, why are you worried? What is it that's holding you back? We talk a lot about imposter syndrome because that is something that everyone, including myself, has dealt with more than once. And then I take you through a series of concrete written exercises and physical exercises uh, and, and ideas to help you address those concerns because they need to be addressed and figure out how to move past them in a positive way. That's, it's so brilliant because I've heard that same statement from dancers that I've contacted to be in the bundle as well, right? It's like, well, I don't necessarily teach online. Why, you know, why would people take with me? Look at all these other people you already have in the bundle. Like, why would they take my class? And it's, to me, it's so frustrating, <laughs> right? Because I'm on, I'm on your wavelength here with this. Like, it really is so important, I think, for everyone who feels the call to teach, like to, to do it. Because just like you said, everybody jives with just a different kind of teacher. Maybe you like the teacher who talks a lot. Maybe you like the teacher who doesn't talk at all. You know, you like the teacher who's really silly during class or you need this teacher that's really serious. You know, or this person teaches Zills just the way that like works with your brain. Whereas that mm -hmm. other teacher you tried to learn Zills from, like it never got past, you know, it all sounded the same to you. Mm -hmm. So being able to have this variety to choose from and, and to take from multiple people is so important, but that's not possible if these teachers aren't being brave and being right. vulnerable and putting their stuff online in the first place. Absolutely. And it is, it's a vulnerability and it's hard. And I think we all, you know, you feel like you're kind of sticking your neck out there and what if nobody shows up and it's happened to me, like in the first several years I taught in line, I had dozens of classes where nobody came. Did I let it stop me? No. Did I feel bad about it? Yeah. In the moment, <laughs> but I was like, all right, I've already paid for this subscription. So I'm just going to keep putting my classes up there, you know, and it takes some time to gain momentum, but that's, you know, that's something that you can learn to build as well. I think it just, this, this part of the course works on a, such a core issue that we all deal with as dancers and then as human beings, right? Our desire to be seen for who we are, but our constant comparison with our, ourselves, with other people, which is never useful and not fair. Yep. And just being able to look at why you do what you do and what you're bringing to the world and allowing yourself to give that gift to others and not hold back from that is, is a tough, it's a tough place to come to. But once you get there with your dancing, whether it's, you know, whether you feel like you deserve to be in a class and study belly dance or whether you deserve to be on the stage and perform or whether you deserve to be on screen teaching it, it's all the same skill set that will serve you so well for the rest of your life. Absolutely. And this is why I wanted to focus on this particular module because I feel like it's applicable to all, all walks right, of the journey. Like no matter where you are in your dance journey, this is something that people struggle with, right? Because like literally all of us face this. Like it took me a really long time to start teaching because I, like I didn't feel like who was I to be teaching belly dance? Like I, I definitely had that feeling. But you know, everyone listening here has that first time that they stepped on a stage and they were like, what the fuck am I doing here? <laughs> you know, or the, when they're posting videos to Instagram, you know, it's like, who's going to watch my video? Like it's, everybody deals with this in different ways at, I think almost every stage of the journey. Like if you were going to chop it up into stages that there's always this imposter syndrome moment at the, at the top. 
of isn't it true it's so insidious why is it always there and i feel and i don't know if you've noticed this i feel like the more i know the easier it is to feel like an imposter which is counterintuitive right like i think when i first started dancing i might have actually been more confident than i am now because i didn't know anything <laughs> I was like, look, I got these moves. I watched videos of me dancing as like a baby beginner belly dancer with like a year or two under my belt. And I was like, damn, I look like I, you know, am in control of everything. I'm so confident. I got out there, I did whatever I wanted and I didn't care because I was having so much fun. And then I started to learn more and realize what level I truly was at. And then I started to realize that I didn't know a lot about the culture and I didn't know the language. And then, you know, so the more I knew, I was like, oh shoot, shoot, there's a lot I don't know. You know, and so I feel like you have new ways to feel like an imposter every step of the way, which is horrible. <laughs> and so I'm not saying that this course is going to prevent you from ever feeling like an imposter ever again, because I don't actually know if that's possible, because if it is, I haven't found it yet. But it will give you concrete ways to deal with it proactively and give you a better sense of, of self and a better sense of purpose in what it is that you're doing. Mm -hmm. So how let's give us give us an example of one of these ways so someone let's say let's say with posting on instagram mm -hmm. right because that's something that here at the bundle i encourage a lot for people to post their practice videos but i can definitely see this this level of imposter syndrome or you know there's all these famous i actually had a conversation with someone about this during the bundle it's like all of these famous dancers are posting on instagram why should i be posting on instagram Right. I think, so one of the biggest things that I, I want to say right away is because I just did Katie saw her social shimmy challenge. Yeah. Right. And the whole point of this was to diversify your Instagram feed, right? Like if the only dancers we ever see posting are the like airbrush, super glittery, really professional, amazing, you know, amazing dancers, there's a whole bunch of people that are not going to start belly dancing because they're like, mm -hmm. well, I can't be that. So why should I bother? Right. So the number one reason, in my humble opinion, why you need to just get out there and post yourself in all of your not so amazing yet glory is because somebody needs to see that. Right. You need to have the confidence to do that. But in you doing it, you will, I guarantee you, give someone else the confidence to do the same. Every time I post a video of myself screwing up a drill, I get more comments than any of my like perfectly polished videos because mm -hmm. people are like, oh, my God you're human. And I'm like, yes, I am. <laughs> I mess up all the time. It's a necessary part of the practice. And I find that that is so encouraging to other people. Maybe there's someone who looks like you, who's not, you know, in the dance yet because they feel like they don't look like those other dancers. Or maybe there's someone who has, you know, a, a certain background that you also have that, that they feel a kinship with what you post and it encourages them to get involved. Right. And so I think, that there's a lot of good you can do in being willing to post no matter where you are and what stage of the journey you're in. But I think a lot of times it goes back to like, why are we doing this? I think it becomes very easy to lose sight of why we join in the dance. I think almost all of us come to the dance because we're like, wow, that's really cool. That looks like fun. I want to do it. And we start dancing and it feels great and we're having a good time. And then at some point along the way, it becomes more about what others think about watching us dance and not about how we feel when we are dancing. And perhaps this is when we stick a video of ourselves on social media, right? And then everybody gets to watch it and comment and like it and say whatever they want to say about it. But I think when I start to get worried about 
what other people are going to think about me because it still, it still happens to me sometimes. I think, what is it that I want to give to people with mm -hmm. this video post? What is it that I want to share? I want to share my love of the dance or I want to share my uh, practice process so people understand that you've got to embrace the suck and just like go with it, you know, to give people that sort of feeling of that permission, that permission mm -hmm. to be who they are and be here with everyone in the dance. It's, it's really interesting because I feel like this last bit that you talked about is something that I think about all the time, right, is how do I center my audience in my posts? What are they getting from this, right? It's not necessarily about me or the bundle. It's about them and their practice, right? It's about mm -hmm. you, the listener, and, and how can we help you practice more, practice better, practice more efficiently, like be more confident, right? And I think it's, it's a really interesting dichotomy because you see dance as an ego-driven sport, right? Like it's about the dancer. How is the dancer interpreting the music? How, how are you showing your art form? But when you flip it like this, right? It's not about you, it's about the person you're helping, the person you're inspiring, the student that you are you know, helping with their learning if you're a teacher, whatever. But there's also an element of ego to that right? In the, who are you to be teaching them? <laughs> right. And so it ends up in this like really interesting, like spiral, but I think that that's where having the tools to deal with it and the confidence within the space can help. Right. Because I think that's where we get stuck, right? Yeah. Who am I to be doing this? Or, uh -huh. you know, like either who am I to be doing this when you're centering someone else? Cause I, I can guarantee you people are listening to you talk right now. And they're like, well, yeah, like maybe me posting will inspire somebody, but who am I to be inspiring anybody? <laughs> uh huh. Uh, no, no, that's a very good point. That's a very good point. So, are you saying like ego is involved no matter what, right? We can't. Get I think. Away from I that. think you can't. I think you can't. But it doesn't have to be a bad thing, right? The, you hear the word ego, and you're like, you immediately think mm -hmm. it's terrible. But I think perhaps confidence is a better word. Like having the confidence in yourself, and then being able to translate that through. And be able to, okay, I'm going to post on Instagram. I'm going to step out on that stage. I'm going to start teaching this class and having the confidence to do that results in the inspiration and the driving factor that kind of pushes everything else along mm -hmm. that helps other people. But you can't, I think it's really hard to help other people when you don't have confidence in yourself. Absolutely. No, I could believe that. I could also see that like this concept, looking at it through the lens of who am I inspiring? Who am I helping is definitely something that's driven by me being primarily a teacher more than mm -hmm. anything else. Like that is what I look to do when I post on Instagram. I sometimes post as a student doing a challenge, you know, but a lot of times I'm posting to try to inspire, to teach, to inform, to entertain, you know, that kind of thing. And so someone coming at this as a, a new dancer who's going to dance classes, maybe they jump into a challenge and they're posting, they might not be thinking about it the same way. And I completely understand that. Maybe they're posting because they're just so excited about what they're learning and they want to throw it out there. But before they hit post, they're like, oh, what if, what if other people don't like what I've done? You mm -hmm. know, and I say to them the same thing I say to my six-year-old, like, who cares what other people think? Are you having fun? Great. Do it. I don't care what other people think. You know, like, and, and it's hard. You have to develop a little bit of a shell. And of course, you know, social media, people can be, people can be mean when they can hide behind their computers and whatnot. But, um, but I think that the more of us who are willing to just throw it out there and be who we are and show real life 
right? And not the like super glossy, sparkly thing mm -hmm. that we have chosen to put out there, the more acceptable it will be for everyone to do the same. Yes, absolutely. And I think you see that too. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen this in your classes, but if you can get one of your students who's never done a solo to do a solo during the, the stage show, then suddenly like three of the other students who have also never done a solo will do a solo. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it just takes one brave person, right? To get out there and ask a question. It takes one brave person to just take that step and everyone's like, oh, wow, maybe I could do that too. It's, if anybody hasn't read um, any books by Brene Brown, I highly suggest them. She talks a lot about vulnerability and how it's like the, it's the key to um, a contented life, like to living a happy life is actually being vulnerable in your relationships and in, I, I think in day-to-day -day life. And I think that applies so much here, right? Because we were talking about how it really is an act of vulnerability to put yourself on the internet or to have these conversations or to, to talk about what's going on with you in a, in a real way, right? And to mm -hmm. not put that gloss of social media on it. But I've never seen an act of vulnerability not followed by more acts of vulnerability from other people. Absolutely, because it gives people permission to be who they are. And I think as an individual to allow yourself to be vulnerable, let's say like to post something that's not perfect. You're, you know, not wearing makeup. You mess up your drill. Your room is a mess. You know, all of these things that are like, you know, you might think it's a no-no when you put yourself out there in public. Like, I think it, it allows you to relax a little bit. Like the, I've had everything go wrong. Like even outside of the, the social, you know, media realm, like I have had the costume piece fall off in a show. I have literally gotten dizzy and fallen over in a show. Like all of this stuff has happened and I live to tell the tale, like life went on. And so now I'm like, oh, you know what? I guess it's really not that big of a deal. I don't have to worry about holding myself to some crazy unattainable standard because I feel the world is expecting it of me. And I think this pertains to, you know, the student walking into the classroom who's like, oh, you know, I don't, doesn't look good yet. And I always tell my students, it's not supposed to. You're learning it. I always say, if you come in here and you can do everything that I show you, ask for your money back. Like then like, <laughs> what's the point, right? And Take I think a it pertains, different class. Right. If, if someone, and I think it pertains to the dancer getting out onto the stage the first time, like they worry about it being perfect. And then they lose the point of like getting out there and enjoying it, right? And all it takes is for you to like drop the sword off your head the first time you get over it and you're like, oh, look, I'm still here, the world did not end, you know? And then teachers too, I think we put ourselves out there as the expert in the field, which is very scary to do. Who am I? How much do I know? I've only been doing this for 20 years. People have been doing it for 40, like who am I to be teaching, right? And so I think part of what I do is I will always say, you know what? I don't know the answer to this. Or you know what? Does anyone else who knows more about anatomy wanna answer this question for me in class? Like, or I'll go look it up. I'm very happy to look it up. Like I just throw it out there. I don't know everything. I'm not supposed to know everything. And, and that's okay. And it really relaxes me and it allows me to be me. And it allows my students to realize that I am also human. And it really like lowers the pressure I might put on myself to be like the end all be all, right? And I think, for me, at least personally, my favorite teachers are the ones that aren't afraid to say they don't know. Mm -hmm. They don't have to have an answer for everything. Like you can ask them a question and they'll be like, that's, I don't know, but I know someone who might. Yeah, exactly. Always offer to help. Uh, but you don't have to know all of the questions. You don't have to be, you don't have to be any sort of 
kind of perfect. I love to, to ask my students, you know, what is it that they're enjoying? What do they want to do more of? Like when people freak out about trying to figure out what to teach or how to teach it or what to do. Like, I love to ask for input and make myself open to what others, you know, others are looking for so that you can be just more accessible as a human being. Right? Mm-hmm. And what you were saying too, uh, about getting on stage or posting on Instagram, right? all these things, we, we talked earlier about the joy in the dance. Like that's how we get into it. I almost feel like this is how we lose it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I bet. Like, yeah, at some point in time, it becomes sort of stressful to people. People stress out over their practice, right? We saw this, I like, you know this comes up all the time with the 21 day challenge where people are like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry, I'm behind, you know, but I'm going to catch up this weekend, there I promise. There is no behind. <laughs> no, I know. Like you're doing this because it's fun, right? You're doing this because you enjoy it. And I am the, you know, the last person to give advice about this because everything com- becomes an item on my to-do list. Quick, quick, I better do that video for Instagram. Fast, fast, fast. And then I think, wait a minute, like what am I rushing to? right? This is the fun. This is what I'm wanting to do. Can I just enjoy this process and not be running to tick the next thing off of my list, right? Yeah, I think it happens to us all. And it's important to, to recognize it and to remember that every part of the journey is valuable and valid and exciting and to allow yourself to live it, to be that beginner who trips over themselves in class and know that this is an important part of your process to get to where you want to be, or to be that teacher who comes to class and totally forgets like the combination she was going to teach because you're so freaking nervous. This is totally part of the journey that's going to get you to where you need to be. Oh yeah, me too. More than once, more than once. (laughs) Excellent. All right. So Sahira, for people who are listening, if you could send them away with one piece of advice on getting into the groove, whether that's as a beginner, as an intermediate, right? What would, let's distill our conversation down here. What's the one thing you would tell them to do the next time that they're practicing or the next time they're feeling that, that anxious feeling? Mm -hmm. Okay. So I'm going to give them a quick, like two or three step writing process. I feel like when we are worried about something, we often cannot even put a finger on what it is that scares us. Right. So the next time you experience this moment of pause and you're like, maybe I shouldn't do that. I want you to identify what is it that you are afraid is going to happen. And I want you to write it down. You have to put it into words, right? Put it into words. What are you afraid that's going to happen? And sometimes it's, I don't, I don't know. And it's just the unknown that you're afraid of. Right. And while that's valid, don't walk around being afraid of you don't know. Yeah. Not worth it. Right. Once you've figured out what that is, how likely is it to happen? Right. Like really how likely is it to happen? Like when I get on stage, maybe I'm worried I'm going to forget my choreography. You know, how likely is that to happen? Eh, you know, I mean, maybe 90, like, like there might be a 10% chance, a 5% chance that's going to happen. If it is, if there is a possibility that it might happen, is there something that you can do to prevent it? Oh yeah, I can practice some more so that I really know my stuff. Great. If there's something you can do, great. If there's something, there's nothing you can do, then try to just let it go. Recognize that it's a fear, let it go. If it's, and then if it's something that could potentially happen, what is the worst thing that will happen if it does happen? So you post to Instagram and the worst thing you could imagine is someone telling you that you look stupid in your costume, right? How likely is that to happen? Probably not. People are mean, but they're not that mean, right? Like, and if it did happen, what's, what's the worst that would come of it, right? Like I would just delete their comment, delete and move on. Yeah. I think that's, 
what I would do too, you know, and, and of course it takes a little bit of self-confidence to be able to delete and move on. But does that mean you're going to have to stop dancing? Does that mean that you cannot perform? Does that mean that you aren't meant to be here in the belly dance? No, it just means someone's being a troll and they just need to find something. They had a bad time. day. Right. Someone else had a bad day and took it out on you. Right. And so if I can go through my biggest fear and realize it boils down to someone had a bad day and I can delete their comment and move on, then is it really worth losing sleep about? So that would be my I guess it was a kind of a long piece of advice, but walk, walk it through, figure out what your fear is and walk it through to its conclusion to figure out if it's valid or if it's just some sort of gremlin in your head making up stuff to keep you back from where you could be. Those gremlins are insidious. Ooh, they are. They do not go away. Don't feed them after midnight. It's bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I have, I wanted to ask you another question too about yeah. this. Do you think that imposter syndrome, that this feeling, does it, does it ever go away or is it something you just learn to deal with? Cause I know it comes back with like every stage of the journey, each new thing that you're doing. But do you think that it's something, say, let's keep with the Instagram example, because we've been using it this whole time. Like people who feel this moment of pause, this moment of anxiety before posting to Instagram, is that something that goes away with practice, like with dealing with it and doing it? Does it go away? Or is it something that you just learn to manage better over time? What's your opinion on it? My opinion, based on my experience only, since I haven't been in anyone else's head recently, is that it goes away for that particular instance. Like for, for most things that are repetitive, like posting to Instagram. Now, maybe I'm going to do a post that's a bit more controversial or I'm really going out on a limb. Maybe I will feel it again at some point. But I find for me, imposter syndrome rears its ugly head with like new instances, right? So I've gotten over like worrying about messing up on stage because I've done it a million times and it's fine. You know, I've gotten over being worried about walking into a dance class where maybe I don't really know what I'm doing. I'm walking into a new dance class and it's something beyond my skill. I'm not, I'm kind of beyond, you know, worried about that because I've done it many times, but maybe, you know, something comes up where I'm going to a new event and presenting something new that I haven't presented before. And I might have that moment because this is something new for me, even though it can still come up, I am way better equipped to recognize it, to cut it off at the pass and to know how to deal with it. Right. So I think it just as we, as we age in general, and we have more of these kinds of experiences, you can kind of see it coming. You can be like, oh, all right. I recognize this feeling. Let me deal with this right now so that I can move on and do what it is that I want to do. Excellent. So tell us more about your class. Tell us about the different segments that are going to be in this. Get people really hyped to take this yeah. class with you because it just launched. It is, yeah, it, it's launching. Well, by the time this airs, it will have just launched and I'm super excited. So this course, like you mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, it is mostly designed for teachers who are looking to put their classes online. This particular module, Get Into the Groove, can certainly be used for lots of different kinds of situations like we've talked about here, but it is part of seven modules that are part of a master course called Designing Your Ideal Online Classroom that takes you from, you know, getting the confidence to teach online, having your simple tech setups, 
We talk about pro tips for teaching online because teaching online is a little bit different than teaching in a physical classroom. And I take you through how it's different. I take you through how you can set up a space in your home, no matter what kind of space you have to make it possible to teach your classes online. I talk about creating community amongst your students because it's harder to do in the virtual world, but it's absolutely possible. So I have an entire course that's dedicated to like a dozen different ideas on how to build community with your online students. Uh, and then I take you through also a, uh, oh, the nitty gritty, which is all about music licensing and waivers and all of that stuff nobody wants to know about, but you have to if you're gonna have a, an online classroom. So it takes you through the nitty gritty of sort of the more legal details of teaching online. And then the last module, which I just finished, and it was gigantic, it's called Recorded Content for Recurring Income. So it's all about like once you're online and you're teaching in front of a camera every week, why not record your content and make an online library. I take you through what kind of content works best, how to record it, how to edit it, how to organize it, how to get it out to the world. So it's a monstrous course. I started it in May. <laughs> I just finished it now and I'm ready for a nap, but I'm super excited to share it with people because I feel like it's very timely content and it's something that's not gonna go away. Like even if people have resisted the temptation to get online as of now, like it's something we're all going to probably want to do in the very near future and if i can help anyone with my nine years of experience i am thrilled to do that well for me it might be monstrous but it's comprehensive and that's what mm -hmm. i love about it because a lot of the classes that i've seen um, helping people get online up to this point are they're just about the tech or they're just about this part or they're just about zoom right they're not covering the entirety of like what it actually means to run classes online right community building, like you mentioned, is so important. And the people um, I know who have the highest retention rates for their live classes are the people who have worked on purpose to create community within their audiences, right? Like they've, they've made the effort to do that. And I see the benefits both as a teacher and from the student side, because I hear it from people who take the bundle and who work with me. They're like, oh my God, I loved like Aziza's classes because she creates community with them. That's what we talked about on her episode of the podcast. Mm -hmm. So, you know, these things, they're important. And then how do you use the recordings of your classes? How do you organize that content? How do you get over, right? The imposter syndrome to do this in the first place. All of these are such integral, integral, in, integral, integral. integral? I think it's integral. <laughs> it's, they're such integral. important. Integral. <laughs> yes, they're, so they're very important. <laughs> <laughs> they're good. It's good. And they, are, <laughs> they are integral parts of teaching online, all of these different pieces that you've put together. So it's such a comprehensive course that can really walk people through it from beginning to end. And I'm really excited for more people to get this in their hands and like check it out because I this is all I want. All I want is for people to teach online. I want more and more people teaching online. Me too. Me too. I want everyone to thrive. And I feel like right now it, it's been so tough this past year on dancers and studio owners and my heart breaks for everyone. It's been so hard, but I think this is a way for people to continue the good fight, to put their, their beauty and their content and their, their dance online and to boost our economy too, right? Like there are students out there ready to, to take classes. And I think that, you know, keeping, keeping the income moving amongst dancers and artists is so important, but that yeah, there's a lot to it. It's, it's a little bit more than just turning on your, you can turn on your computer and, and hit go right and and do pretty good 
but if you really have a mindset towards a more holistic experience, because like you said, like students are looking for the dance, they're looking for exercise, but they're looking for community. They're looking to find a place where everybody knows their name, right? Yes. And if you, can, if you can find a way to build that, even though they're on the other side of the screen, which you can do, um, they'll come back for more and more because they're coming back, not just because they love the movement, but because they love you and the other people in class and the other fun things they get to do because they're your student. Absolutely. Sahira, thank you so much for joining me again and for talking my ear off about imposter syndrome because I absolutely love oh. chatting with you. I love, I love talking to you. I, I love it too, Tiffany. I, I am so blessed to have you in my world. Thank you for allowing me to share all of this information with you know the listeners. Uh, so excited, such a, such a fan of the bundle and everything it does. And I'm thrilled that you're keeping the podcast going this year. It's you're the best. hero. Oh. It's awesome. I love it. <laughs> Thank you. So I have a closing question for you and I had to change it up because you were just on the bundle podcast. So I can't ask you ah, right that right. question, but I have, I've, I got a new one for you here. So Ooh, okay. I am going to ask here, what is the biggest moment of imposter syndrome that you've had in your dance journey? Ooh, you know, gosh, there've been so many. It's so hard to decide. <laughs> <laughs> the biggest moment of imposter syndrome, I, I'm, what jumps to my mind, I'm gonna go with my gut instinct. This happened probably about 12 years ago. I've taught in Taiwan three different times, loved the experience, had an amazing time, great dancers out there. But the organizer, the sponsor wanted me to do a certification for the dancers coming to my workshop. I've learned since then culturally, like certifications in Taiwan are like a really big deal and very important to people. So I, I kind of understand now why she asked it, but I had a really hard time. I thought, who am I? to certify any, certify them in what, to belly dance? Like in, in the Sahira style of belly dance? Well, like that's not even a thing. You know, it was really hard for me. And I considered saying no, but she was a dear friend and I knew she really wanted this for the students. And so I put it together, you know, and I did my best to make it something that I'd be proud of and that would really teach the students something. And then, you know, when I got there and presented it, everyone was so excited and so lovely and so thankful to me for giving them an outline delineated. I had to make a test. I made a belly dance test that then had to be translated into Chinese, right? Which it was very hard to grade in the end. It was really <laughs> challenging, but like we did it and people were so excited to get this certification that I felt, I, I felt like I had provided them a, a service. I had provided them something that they needed to feel really good about their studies and so, you know, I've never done it again. Like I've never done any other certification since then because I'm, who am I to do a certification? But I felt good that I pushed past my imposter syndrome and rose to the occasion because it brought so much joy to the dancers at that experience. So. Yeah, it was what they needed. Like what they students. needed. Right, it wasn't what I needed as a teacher. It's what they needed as students. So I was thrilled to be able to provide it. Awesome, thank you for sharing that story with us. Yeah. I think I think you've stumbled on my new uh, one of my new questions here for the end of the podcast because I think Ooh. that that's a that's a good one to to lead with here at the end, leave everybody uh, with. We've all been there and we've I think everyone there. just needs to do, needs to know that we've all been there. You're not alone. You're in good company and you deserve to be here. You are enough like you always say Tiffany. You, you are, are enough. enough. I'm going to make t-shirts. I I'm in. I want one. <laughs> Excellent. Everyone, thank you so much for listening, Sierra. Thank you so much for being here. And we will talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.
I always love chatting with Sahira, and I love that she got real with us here at the end. I think we found one of our new ending questions for the podcast. That feeling that you feel, that anxiety before posting to Instagram, the fear before stepping on stage, the uncertainty when you start teaching, it's not just you. And not only is it not just you, all of the listeners out there, it's also the teachers and dancers that we have on the podcast. It's me, too. We all have to deal with this at one point. We all have to deal with imposter syndrome. We all have to take the time to deal with perfectionism, to deal with negative self-talk, and with approaching our dance from a positive place. You're not alone. And you're also enough. I hope that you found some good tips here from Sahira to get into your groove, no matter what stage of the dance journey that you're in. And if you teach online or want to, I highly encourage you to check out her course, Designing Your Ideal Online Classroom, which is available now at a discounted price, but will be up if you're listening far in the future. You can find links to the course and more of Sahira's work, including a challenge to go along with today's episode, over at thebellydancebundle.com slash 61. I'll see you over on Instagram for this week's challenge. The prize this week is the module that Sahira and I talked about today. So no matter where you are in your dance journey, this could be useful to you. For me, at least, a lot of this feeling comes from believing that I'm not enough or that my practice isn't enough. So if it helps, I believe you're not an imposter. You're working super hard on your practice and your dance. So let's move forward together with confidence whenever we can.